Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, where we continue our team preview series. Today, we'll head out to the Pac-12 to take a look at one of last year's final four teams, the Oregon Ducks. They went three straight years, improving their finish in the NCAA tournament 2015. They made the round of 32. 2016, they made the Elite Eight. And last year, of course, the magical Final Four season, the first one in Dana Altman's fantastic career. Today, we have Steve Mims from the Registered Guard on the podcast. He's going to talk about last year's magical season, what to expect this season with only three returning players, the bevy of transfers and freshmen coming into the program, where he thinks they will stack up in a tremendous Pac-12. Oregon led by Dana Altman. They'll have some great players this year, including incredible five-star freshman Troy Brown. Oregon is a program that has been improving every single year. They are now among the elite college basketball programs in the entire country, led by Dana Altman. They are going to be on everyone's radar this year, even though they're supposed to be in rebuilding mode. They are going to be a team not only in the Pac-12, but nationally that is definitely going to make some noise. There's a lot of excitement in Oregon, the PK-80 tournament. So Steve Mims from the Registered Guard is going to get into all of this for us. We're so fortunate to have him on the podcast. So let's bring him on right now to talk about the Oregon Ducks 2017-2018 college basketball season. The Screen the Screener College Basketball Team Preview Series rolls on where today we head out to the Pac-12 to preview the Oregon Ducks basketball program. We are very fortunate to have Steve Mims, a beat writer for the Register Guard, covering all things for the Oregon Ducks on the program today. You can follow him on Twitter at SteveMims underscore RG. He writes about the Oregon Ducks and he's here to talk about last season as well as preview the upcoming season for Oregon. Steve, thanks so much for coming on the show, giving us a few minutes here and talking about Oregon. How are you doing today? You got it. Good to, uh, good to catch up with you. And Steve, I am really excited to personally have you on the podcast today because even though we are roughly 2,800 miles away, I was with the Ducks every step of the way last year in that amazing Final Four season. I picked them preseason to make the Final Four. Was so happy for Coach Dana Altman and the entire Oregon team. Let's just start with that year. What a fantastic year for the Oregon Ducks basketball program. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, it, it was impressive because they'd gone, you know, the, the year before to the Elite Eight. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's hard to get back to that level, but they were able to do that. And then, you know, in their Elite Eight this year, they were pretty heavy underdogs. They were you know, facing Kansas in Kansas City. And that was kind of the team everybody had kind of had targeted for the Final Four. And, and Oregon really kind of dominated Kansas in that game. Surprised a lot of people went to the Final Four. And, I think there's still, uh, you know, some some Oregon people who are a little disappointed with what happened there. You know, they were right there with North Carolina and lost to uh, lost to the last minute to that one there, and then two nights later had to watch North Carolina beat Gonzaga in a, a game that all the Northwest basketball fans are hoping for. So 
it was it was a big accomplishment for them, but but I think, like I said, there's still a little feeling of uh, of maybe there could have been a little accomplished a little bit more that, that maybe they were closer to the national title than, than anybody realized. You know, it was amazing that that team had everything and was clicking on on all cylinders. You know, Dylan Brooks was hurt early in the year, and then he came back. He played real well, and then the Boucher injury. So, what was the mindset there with that Boucher injury? Because anyone on the outside probably thought that they simply couldn't do it without him. But but how'd they gather everything together and and be able to make a Final Four and almost a national championship without him? Yeah, that was impressive. You know, because it's it's one thing if that happens in the middle of the season, but when it happens in basically the semifinals of your conference tournament. And, you know, your your first game with Adam is the championship game against a, a top-ranked Arizona team, and then right after that, you're going straight into the tournament, so they had very little time to adjust, but, you know, they had enough kind of top-level talent there with, with Brooks and Dorsey and Bell and, and Dylan Ennis and, and Casey Benson. They were able to just kind of play those guys as much as they needed. You know, they, they were able to win the first game pretty easily in the tournament, and so they, you know, and then were able to kind of get some guys some rest as they needed. They just kind of relied upon the guys that, that they had ridden to, to, to give them a little bit more. You know, Steve, of course, we have to mention the FBI investigation was on the top of everyone's mind about the last month or so. Thankfully, it's dying down a bit as the season's getting started. But Oregon, of course, is the premier Nike school in the country, so they're not involved with Adidas. But just curious what your read was. What was the feeling in Oregon? You know, this is a big-time program when this came out. Was there any internal concern, the coaches, or is this just something that Oregon felt really wasn't a part of their program and, and they felt confident that it, it wasn't going to be an issue for them? Yeah, I mean, that's what they've said publicly. You you wonder just if every school at this point isn't looking back at their procedures, policies, and, and hoping that, you know, something hasn't gone uh, awry and, you know, it's somewhere along the way for them. So, you know, I think Oregon feels all right, okay, where they're at. You know, this is a time when, you know, certainly they're in with as many five-star recruits as they've ever been, so that'll raise some eyebrows. But at the same time, they're coming off, you know, the best back-to-back seasons in school history. So that probably, at the same time, gives uh, – you know, people that, I mean, that's, you know, I think what they're saying is, is what's kind of led to their recruiting boon is the success on the field. So I think it's just, you know, as, as well as almost every score right now, it's just to kind of wait and see and, and see who the, who the investigation targets next. Let's talk about head coach Dana Altman. I was so happy that he got that ridiculous albatross off his back. You hear this all the time. Best coach to never make a Final Four. He has, Steve, what every coach dreams about, that sustained success. He's been coaching 28 years. I think this is his eighth year at Oregon. He's gone back-to-back Elite Eight and Final Four seasons. He came from Creighton where he was very successful, and he's won at least 20 games every season at Oregon. I still think he's kind of underappreciated nationally. So tell us you know, what you see. What makes Coach Altman so great? Well, I think I think the thing that people have seen is just his ability to to get teams to play up to their potential and to get better throughout the season, you know. And and he'll always he's doing it again this year, you know. Starts out saying, "Boy, you know, we got talent, but there, there's a long way to go, and there's uh, you know a lot of a lot we got to work on. Our defense isn't very good. We got to get more physical rebounding, you know, this and that. And by the end of the year, you know, they you know Oregon had never been to more than two NCAA tournaments in a row, and, and now they've been to five straight. So it's just been a sort of a, a successful run that this program had never had. You know, there'd been highs. They'd been to, you know, 2002 and 2007, they'd make it to the elite eight. And then next year, if they got to the tournament, it was an early exit. And then there were a couple of years before another tournament appearance. So for Oregon, it's just been a team that it's the first time they've ever had a program where they expectations each year now are the NCAA tournament.
Now let's turn our attention to the players. Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey, who had the most points of, of any player in the tournament last year, Jordan Bell, they're all gone to the NBA, and Dylan Innes and Chris Boucher graduated. Maybe was a little surprised, though. Casey Benson and Cavell Bigby-Williams transferred. I think Casey Benson's down at Grand Canyon, and, and Bigby-Williams maybe in LSU, I think. Benson, was he affected maybe by Peyton Pritchard's great freshman year? It was really incredible, had some great last-second shots, or was this something you guys you know, kind of saw coming that there was going to be a, a sole change into the guard? I think it was a combination of two things. One, it was the fact that, yeah, Pritchard would become the point guard and Casey's role was going to be the backup. The other thing is Grand Canyon University is, is near his hometown of Tempe. His brother's an assistant coach there. It's a program that's gotten through their NC2A Division One years of probation, you know, when you move up to that level, this is the first year they're actually eligible for the NC2A tournament. And they have a veteran team coming. So I think he looked at it as kind of a different challenge for his last year. He'd go close to home, play on a staff with his brother and, and see if he could get a team to the NC2A tournament for the first time. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And now let's head to the to the newcomers. Three big transfers for for Coach Altman. He's got Elijah Brown, New Mexico, uh, Michael McIntosh, Illinois State, and Paul White from Georgetown. Uh, like you said, this is Oregon now. It certainly has always been a great place to play, but even more so with the national attention. So a lot of big transfers. How are they doing so far, and what do you see their role is uh, for each one playing the season? Well, I, I think we'll see Elijah Brown. You know, that's a guy who averaged 19 a game last year and been a two-time all-conference guy. And I think they feel like he comes in and takes that, you know, Tyler Dorsey, Joe Young role of, of the guy who may be their leading scorer. You know, he's a guy, though, who, who shot a lot at, at New Mexico on a bad team, and I think they're going to try to work him to where he's going to try to be a little bit more efficient and, and less of a volume shooter here. But they're going to count on him certainly to, to be a guy who can who can hit the three-pointer and, and drive to the hoop. And, and probably, I think, if you go into the season, you expect him to be the leading scorer. McIntosh, they just don't have a whole lot of – uh, you know, you know, in losing Bell and, and Boucher, they lost kind of their rebounders from last year. They don't have kind of an established Division One rebounder. McIntosh at a, at a smaller school, you know, at Illinois State last year, was about six a game, but got some big arms, big body. I think they feel like he's a guy that if he can give him anything offensively, great. But if he can give him some rebounding and defense, that fills the hole they needed. And you know, Paul White's a guy who played a couple years at, at Georgetown was a pretty high recruit and we've seen him a little bit here and in, in some exhibition games he's got a nice up on the outside I don't know that you know he's, he's not a real big guy in terms of being your rim protector or type like that but I think he's more kind of a stretch for a guy who can go out and hit some shots on the wing and, and then see what he can give you inside. Uh, Oregon has a great uh, top 15 incoming recruiting class this year. Headline headlined by six, seven, five-star recruit Troy Brown from Nevada. He was the number four ranked small forward in this year's class. Talk about the expectations for Brown, the incoming class, and, and gosh, Steve, I feel old. Redshirt freshman MJ Cage, whose father is Michael Cage, who I remember very well playing in the, in the NBA, Clippers, and a bunch of teams. He sat out last year with a knee injury. Talk about the incoming class and, and their potential contributions this year. Yeah, first off on MJ, it looks like MJ is going to transfer. He left the team. He hasn't been there the last couple exhibition games. As Altman said, he's determining his future. It sounds like he looks like he, uh, you know, kind of falling down on the depth chart with the big recruiting class coming in next year. Uh, it sounds like he's probably going to transfer out here. So he, wow. he probably okay. takes him down to nine nine scholarship guys if he's not here. But you mentioned, yeah, I mean, Troy Brown is the, you know, the, the top recruit Dane Altman's ever gotten here. It's the first guy to come in here and have some – possible expectations of being a one and done guy. You know, I mean, he's a six, seven guy who can shoot, get to the basket, pretty physically built for a, you know, a freshman. He's just turned 18, not too long ago. So he's a guy that's got a, a ton of, you know, just a ton of skill. Um, you know, they even like him on the defensive end too. So I think he's a guy that people are going to be fascinated to see, you know, there are some expectations on him. So we'll see, you know, if he comes in and 
you know, everybody's kind of expecting, you know, triple doubles or something like that right away. I don't think it'll be that in the system, but I do think you'll see him be one of the top scorers. Uh, Abu Kijab, Kijab is a guy who kind of came out, had his coming out party in the World Cup, the U19 World Cup. He helped Canada upset uh, the U.S. there, which is a team that Peyton Pritchard was on. So he's a guy I think they, they think can give him something on a wing. Victor Bailey's been pretty impressive, just kind of the eyeball test early. He's a, a guard, can play the point, also probably play some two, can shoot and drive the hoop. So another guy they like. And then Kenny Wooten, they think, could eventually become the Jordan Bell type, you know, the guy who maybe develops offensively but but could be the guy at the at the rim that can block some shots and, and get some rebounds. Whether or not he's ready right away as a freshman to, to contribute a whole lot, we'll see. But I think they do like his potential down the road is to maybe be kind of the next guy that fills that bell role. You know, looking at their schedule, the, the Ducks, of course, and we're, my partner and I are so excited for this. They're hosting the first ever PK80 Phil Knight 80 tournament in celebration of, of Phil Knight's 80th birthday. They got 16 teams traveling out to Oregon. The Ducks are in the victory bracket. They open with UConn and could have a fantastic battle with Michigan State in round two. Tell me how this whole tournament came about and how is ex- how exciting is this for everybody involved with PK80? Yeah, it's. I, I think it's generally considered it's going to be the the best in season tournament college basketball has ever had. You know, it's. You know, as you can guess, the PK80. It's the Phil Knight Invitational. It's Phil Knight turns eighty in February, and they're uh, they brought together basically sixteen Nike schools to honor him. They're, it's a two tournament deal, so you know it's not a sixteen team bracket. There will be two champions. There's two eighteen brackets, so uh, it's going to be played out over three days. It's kind of weird. They're going to take the Saturday off and then, you know, they're going to play on Thanksgiving the day after, and then kind of take the Saturday off for college football and then finish it up on the Sunday. But yeah, I mean, Duke's going to be there. North Carolina, like you mentioned, Michigan state, I think Florida is a top 10 team this year. I've seen some polls. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty crazy, you know, group of, of, of teams coming together for one, well, basically two tournaments, but one at kind of the, the same venue. So it, it'll be fascinating to see how it's pulled off. You know, I mean, you're going to have, two tournaments going on basically across a courtyard from each other with, you know, you could have a, like you say, a Duke going up against, you know, Florida in one game and, and North Carolina playing at the same time against somebody. So it, it's going to, it's going to be pretty amazing to, to see the logistics and, and just how much basketball is going to be going on in there for, for the, the Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, we can't wait. And, and I got one more and then we'll get you out of here, Steve. Really appreciate it. So Oregon has three players returning from last year's team. A lot of turnover. They lost a lot of players. But I want to point out that in 2014-2015, Coach Altman took a team that just had three returners and finished second in the conference. So let me ask you here, what are your thoughts on Oregon this year? I think they're very dangerous. I think it's a team, you know, maybe USC, Arizona sort of getting a little more publicity, but I think this is a dangerous team. Where do you see them finishing up in the Pac-12, and, and what about the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I would say, you know, if the, you mentioned that 13-14 that season, there's, I mean, this team has certainly more talent than that one, and you know, that team came together and got there. I think it's a team that I, I think in the preseason poll, I picked them to finish third in the Pac-12. I, or third or you know, right around there. You mentioned those two. I think Stanford will be good. I, I think they're definitely a, a top four finisher in the Pac-12, and that should get you into the tournament this year. You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the like you mentioned, that PK-80. They could be playing some good teams there at a time when, you know, I don't think Oregon expects that they're going to kind of have everything everything's firing until they get closer to January with so many new people. So it could be, it could be a rough stretch. You know, the rest of their non-conference isn't real tough. They shouldn't have much problem other than the PK80, but they could drop a couple there just because they're not playing real well yet. But I think everybody expects by the time they go into pack 12, that it'll be kind of typically, you know, what what we've seen from Oregon, which is a team that that's coming together around January and, and getting better through March. 
Folks, that's some great insight there from Steve Mims. He writes for the Register Guard. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Mims underscore RG. Steve, thanks so much. We are real excited for PK80. We can't wait. Oregon, great season last year. Coach Altman, everything's going great for the Ducks. So we'll be rooting for him. And, and really, we really appreciate you coming on the Screen to Screener podcast, giving us a few minutes here about Oregon basketball. You got it, man. Anytime. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.